0: Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 113. Welcome to the Jack Mountain
1: Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith.
0: I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. It's been over a year since we've recorded one of these. And to be honest, just kind of burned out with it after 112 episodes. Felt like we were self-plagiarizing our own horrible jokes. Uh, But enough time has passed now where I've completely forgotten all those jokes. So I'm ready to tell them again. So I think we're back. I think we're going to start doing these regularly again and uh, I am not alone here in the God Shack this morning. Uh, I'd like everybody out there in podcast land to give a big warm welcome to Tessa Story.
1: Good morning. Hello.
0: Tessa uh, took a semester course with us last year and Immediately I said we've got to get this girl on board here and then worked on the wilderness canoe expedition semester Last year and then the fall bushcraft semester and now we're back because today we start the The four-week canoe expedition. Yes, we do so um, Yeah, it's gonna be busy life is gonna be busy here. So for me personally, like after running winter programs, then you kind of go into semi-hibernation and you don't uh, interact with people a ton and then <laughs> hermit style. And then today we'll jump right into it and like full on social butterfly, you know, uh, loud and social all day.
1: Yeah. Time for the jokes.
0: Yeah. Time for the jokes. For the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, much to the chagrin of everybody else involved. Um, I like it. But we're going to, yeah, hopefully bring you guys some regular dispatches from the field. The way that we record these things is a simple little handheld audio recorder. So we can bring it with us. We don't have a studio or anything fancy like that. And this little thing, it's like the size of two decks of cards. So uh, The
1: guide jack is fancy.
0: The guide jack is fancy. Yeah. Yeah. But the audio recorder isn't. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah. So just a nice, uh, what is it? The 30th of April... Here in Masardis, Maine, we were able to drive down the road for the first time uh, about four days ago. And now the big melt is on. But it's kind of, it's about 40 degrees out and really overcast. And we're supposed to open the course, open the season with about four straight days of pouring rain. Welcome to northern Maine. And it's going to be cold. Uh, so, But this course, we always spend the first week in... And around camp, getting everybody up to speed with things like axes, fires, and with the perspective being that if somebody's going to be unsafe with an axe, it's better to happen here when we can throw them in a vehicle and get them to the hospital rather than like a remote river somewhere where
1: the vehicle we throw them in is a canoe.
0: Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> um, and then this course, we're going to run the St. John River, 105 miles on the St. John, go from Baker Lake down to allagash village then we take a two-day break resupply everything and then we're going to run the entire aroostic river back to here unless water levels are too low and then we'll probably do the allagash but mm. the awesome thing about may in maine in northern maine is all the rivers are high the bugs aren't out yet the fish are just waking up and all the edible greens so it's an awesome month to uh, to live outside it's an awesome month to live outdoors on the river
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get out there in May this year. Um, Last year during May, I was here for my course, and we spend most of the nine week semester in the field school, um, with the last week being out on the river. So basically, that means we wait until the black flies are fully out, and then we go and spend a week on the river.
0: (laughs) Well, they're hungry. They haven't eaten since last September. I mean, they
1: were definitely hungry. Cut them a break. They were
0: hungry. They like people breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
1: All the time, and clean water. (laughs) So that's nice.
0: uh this is a this year we're changing gears a little bit with our scheduling process for the past six or seven years we've run the canoe expedition the the big canoe expedition in the summertime and lately we've just been plagued with a bunch of droughts in the summer and it really limits where we can go so this year we're going back to real old school and uh, running it in may which is time of high water everywhere is canoeable right now. There's tons of water everywhere and I'm super excited about that. Uh, But the flip side is that we're not running a spring semester this year. We switched that to the summer. So today we start with the canoe expedition and then we've got four weeks of that. Then we have a week off and then we do a nine-week semester and then is it a week or two Two off? Two weeks off and then we do the second nine-week semester. So it's going to be... You know, we're going to hit the ground running today and then it's kind of like a sprint straight out to Halloween. So, should be a fun season. You know, I'm super excited for it and then, uh off-season seems to get longer every year when you're just kind of killing time waiting for things to get When going you're in Rustic County. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm sure off-season feels like a long time. Sixth- I kind of had just felt like we we put the canoes back in the barn the other day. Yeah. And now I'm back. <laughs> but <laughs> I a- live down in Portland, so <laughs> It's like a There's nightmare a little more for you. Happening. It's
0: getting <laughs> worse.
1: Yeah, I've never left. Actually, somebody send help. I'm chained to this table.
0: Yep. Uh, <laughs> is that Stockholm syndrome? What is that? When you are no,
1: because I don't like you.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Is that Oslo S- syndrome? Oslo syndrome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wrong. wrong uh, city.
0: Masada syndrome. Masada syndrome. So I know everybody out there is curious. Tell us a little bit about your background. I'll tell them. I know, but tell them. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, my background is that I'm pretty new at doing all of this, this bushcraft stuff. Um, I have been living in Portland for the last like decade and working in the service industry, mostly in coffee, have opened a few coffee shops and worked as a manager um, and in all different facets of the food service industry. And after COVID, I kind of just decided if I didn't have my own place, I didn't want to do it at all anymore. So. I was traveling a bit, um, my partner has a food truck and he does festivals out of state so we were traveling a bit and camping along the way and I remember one day I was just sitting outside and I thought, I could work outside, but how could I work outside? So when we came back home I kind of started looking into things, maybe thinking about taking a wilderness first responder course which my friend had done recently um, and the first thing that popped up was Jack Mountain Bushcraft School and so I opened the webpage And I looked through it and I looked at the curriculum and I thought, yeah, right. (laughs) And I X'd out of it. It was like, that is not something I can do. And kept looking through stuff. But I kept being drawn back to the page, especially because it was in Maine. And for some reason, I had this idea that I needed to go to Vermont or Montana or somewhere really far away when, duh, Maine is beautiful and amazing and has plenty of things to do outdoors. Um, And I kept going back and said to my friends like is this crazy that I want to do this and thankfully they encouraged me being crazy and told me I should
0: do it so those are the types of friends that you (laughs) want in this world right like they're great I don't like friends that are like oh don't do it take the safe path no like stay they're not like that at all yeah no in fact
1: they're like please do not ever work at a coffee shop again (laughs) (laughs) go be crazy get in the canoe (laughs) you know it's for me um so yeah signed up I did the nine week course last year and loved it wasn't really sure what my goal in doing it was I just knew I wanted to do something new and learn some new skills, and then I accidentally got a job. Whoops,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, worked out pretty good,
1: yeah. Um, except for the whole being chained to the table, thing. yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, these table legs are removable, so you're not really <laughs> well, yeah.
1: I get to go like out on the canoe, <laughs> <laughs> but when we come back, I have to be put back on the table.
0: Uh, that's great, yeah. Um, cool. So we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about this episode. We're just kind of, this is the first one that we're doing together. Um, But I did want to relay one story from last year's Mm. Wilderness Canoe Expedition semester. And I like to call this story, The Best Beer of 2022 so it was i think it was the beginning of week four of the four-week course it
1: was right when we had put in beginning of week
0: four we're on the east branch of the penobscot Mm -hmm. super clear river we put it on the grand lake road bridge just uh just down from the dam at grand lake matagammon and day one on that trip you're it's a pretty easy float Uh, but we're
1: a little groggy i mean this is week four so we've been going through it we're a little i mean i am i'm i'm sitting in the bow comfortably (laughs)
0: You'll see the Relaxing. photo. We'll post the photo yes. of, uh, of this experience so yeah we were in the canoe together. Tessa was in the bow. I'm pulling downstream. It's about three and a half feet deep. Three, three and a half feet deep. Crystal clear water. Rocky bottom. And I'm just kind of looking around and I see something on the bottom.
1: I see a glint. I go what is that gold thing? And Tim goes ugh trash. And starts pulling back
0: up. Well, yeah. So it was a, it, it was, a, it's a pretty popular campground at the bridge there. So people are probably drinking and doing whatever. So I, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's a beer bottle, and it just made me kind of annoyed with humanity that someone's gonna take these beautiful main rivers that we love and just littered like beer bottles and stuff. Just it's dumb, right? It makes me mad.
1: So I turn around and Tim is just fully in the river now.
0: <laughs> so I stopped the canoe, I pulled back upstream, like I don't know, we were probably twenty feet. Yeah. pull back up twenty feet, jump out of the boat, reach down and grab it, and I'm like, hey Tessa, guess what? It's full. <laughs>
1: And it was cold because the water is nice, clear, and cold.
0: It was a Molson Golden sitting on the bottom of the river. So she's like, I think you are like, what are you going to do? And I, I think I said, I'm going to drink it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, should we? Yeah, we probably should. There's no reason we shouldn't drink this. So right we now.
0: open this beer and like the, you know, the set and setting is this beautiful river. Uh you know, perfect, gorgeous. Yeah, perfect you see the, the like
1: mountains on the side. Yeah, I don't think you can or in hills. that picture,
0: but you're right along. No, but the... you're
1: right there. Like we yeah. were definitely drinking it as we came around the corner, and it was just all of the wildflowers were in bloom—the blue vervain and the cardinal flower—and just like, oh, this is so nice. I remember I opened Canadian it beer. and I
0: took my first swig, and then a bald eagle flew up <laughs> and landed on my shoulder.
1: That's not very Canadian. <laughs> this is like a more of a Canadian experience because of the beer.
0: Uh, but yeah, so if you've ever had like, I don't know, your best cup of coffee ever or your greatest cup of tea or your greatest glass of beer, this was probably the greatest beer I ever had because I was just tired and like physically a bit run down from the from the expedition and and right. it it's, was just thoroughly enjoyable. It, it got
1: us, yeah, it lifted the mood and <laughs> set the tone for the rugged trip.
0: But yeah, check out the photos associated with this. If you're hearing this on an app, you can clip through to the, uh, click through to the to the page that it's on and see those photos. But yeah, that was a great time. So other current events, life is really coming back to the land here at the field school, like literally snow a couple of days ago, but we've got our first wildflowers out. The Tusilaga farafara, the coltsfoot is out. Um, saw my first mushroom yesterday, the Gyromitra esculanta, the poisonous false morel. Don't eat it. And we've been listening to the birds. But a little bit of trivia about the the false morel mushroom. Probably 20 years ago, I heard this mycologist give a talk and they said that it's the only mushroom that's ever killed somebody where nobody ate it. So the story was that somebody, I think they said it was in New York City, they were convinced these were morels and they had a pot full of them boiling on a stove with a super tight lid on it. And the cook pulled the lid off, took a deep breath in, and there was enough of the toxin and they found the body on the ground. I hear a lot of Uh-oh. stuff these days, as I'm sure you guys do out there in podcast land. I don't know if any of it's true anymore. I remember
1: hearing one about like a Boy Scout troop handling. Maybe it wasn't a mushroom, maybe it was a plant.
0: Oh, that was me. Sport. I told you that.
1: Oh, of course.
0: <laughs> that was monkshood.
1: Everything I hear about is from Tim, <laughs> so <laughs> disregard.
0: Well, I heard that one from the guy I studied botany with in Alaska in the mm-hmm. 1990s from Boyd Schaefer. And this, that story was monkshood, aconitum the super poisonous plant and it was in Russia in Siberia and the scout leader I think it was 12 year old boys and the scout leader pointed out the plant and said don't play around with this one it's super poisonous and what do 12 year old boys do the exact opposite of what they're told so they dug it up when we're handling the root and the they got a bunch of the juice from the root on their hand they didn't have any open cuts but it soaks through we like to think of our skin as like a layer of saran wrap that covers keeps our body in and the outside world oh, out no. but it's very porous, so if you're handling toxic things, it'll absorb right through the skin. But yeah, I was on a trip once actually. I've eaten that false Morel, uh, <laughs> not on purpose. Dead? no, it was uh, I was on a trip and I was like the young guide on the trip, and the senior guide was convinced that that was a Morel. Are you being serious? I'm being dead serious. <laughs> Thankfully, you have that...
1: to look Tim in the eyes, you have to look for any shift
0: of a joke. <laughs> There were like eight people on the trip, big pot of dinner, and just one of those little mushrooms went in. So it wasn't like a high enough dosage to make anybody sick. But yeah, so... um, Smart. The point is of me bringing this up is that you should always be 100% certain before you, especially with mushrooms, before it goes anywhere near your body, especially your mouth. And don't be afraid to speak up. If if you know, at that point I didn't, I wasn't 100% certain that it was not a morel. Um, so I just went along with it, but, you know, in retrospect...
1: Nobody got sick at all?
0: No, because it was one small <clears throat> mushroom in, like, a two-gallon pot of food or something, so... Joseph... You know, like, except
1: that one guy, we never saw him again. Well, he
0: died, but, uh... <laughs> it
1: was all right. We threw him in the next soup.
0: Yeah, right? Uh, anyway, yeah, life's coming back to the land. You said you had a terrible night's sleep? I did.
1: It was awful. But you um, woke up
0: at 4.30 and heard who?
1: I heard a woodcock this morning. Um, they make really funny little noises, yeah. <laughs> and it's called a pint. Um, I live in Portland along the ocean. I live right next to where there's a drawbridge, so you're just hearing drawbridge go up and boats honking the horns and seagulls mostly, seagulls and maybe a pigeon, maybe a crow. So when I came back up here yesterday, I just stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many birds that aren't seagulls around. This is nice. So even though I was pretty tired and upset that I was tossing and turning, I, was, I, I left the window and the guide track open just so I could hopefully hear some good birds. And yeah, I heard a woodcock this morning.
0: Good, good main guide test question trivia about the woodcock. I think it's the only bird that the stripe goes like across the head, not front to back.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Log that down.
0: Well, there's like the state of Maine, chronically underfunded. They're using the same written test questions as they had in like 1975. So they never upgrade them.
1: I never knew about that question. (laughs) You think that you're studying correctly for the guide exam and you never are. They're like, what bird blinks with one eye sideways on a Tuesday?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just good, good little trivia. But what else have we heard? I've been hearing white-throated sparrows, the Mm -hmm. songbird of the north. Good trivia about them. The American white-throated sparrow sings, Oh, Sam, Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. But the Canadian white-throated sparrow sings, Oh, Oh, sweet, Canada, Canada, Canada. Canada." Canada. So it takes a very discerning ear when you hear the white-throated sparrow sing to know, hey, is that an American bird or a Canadian one? And that's
1: how you know you're a bushcraft master. (laughs)
0: So, you know, the the Border Patrol guys with their office down the road, actually, they blocked my number from calling them up in the middle of the night saying, I just heard an illegal Canadian white-throated sparrow. They don't want to hear it from me anymore.
1: That's because they're <laughs> sending them in as spies. Yeah, right. They know what's going on.
0: They know what's going on. They're trying to steal all of our uh, potato technology from Arizona Definitely. County.
1: Potato seed board.
0: Big potato, right? Mm-hmm. Big chip, big potato. They're responsible for everything that's wrong in the world. Everything. And my friend Blake Powsley once told me the Big Potato killed his dad. R.I.P. I don't RIP. know if that's true or not. It's probably
1: not true. <laughs> Based on the look in your eyes, that's not true. So for those, I heard Harry Woodpecker this morning saw some wood ducks, Yeah. which did not land in the pond because as they flew overhead, I went, wood ducks! Loudly. <laughs> they're afraid of anything, so they kept going.
0: Yeah, the usual turkeys, geese. I almost hit a rough grouse yes. coming down the hill. They ran right Me in front too. of the truck.
1: It's like they want to die.
0: Probably the same one. Yeah, little jerk. Yeah. Well, I guess we should wrap it up and probably go get busy getting camp ready. We have people arriving in a couple of hours. And I just actually fixed our... Uh, because the buildings here have no foundation. They're just on skids, on blocks. They shift with the frost. And as the frost goes out... The ground heaves and basically the doors can't be opened in some of the cabins. So I just fixed the library cabin with a big jack. You jack it up and you make it so it's level again. And uh, yeah, that's always fun to do. Mm. But too many things to do. Not enough time to do it. So we'll let you guys go. But it feels good to be back. Sure does. So thank you for listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. Um, you can definitely check us out online. If you want to interact with us, we've got our own private online network at bushcraftschool.com where you can join. And we've got a pretty lively forum and some online courses, and we'll talk more about those in a future episode. But thanks for listening. Thanks for participating, Tessa. And hope everybody out there has a great day. Send help. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.